G and you know all these complex uh, functions in for the body and what happens and all of that sort of thing and and then his Finnish practical takeaway was eat your vegetables. Yeah. That was like, Jordan's takeaway. No, it was Luke's. Luke's. Yeah, so oh, he wow. was he was going through all so of the important. physiology and like chemical you know <coughs> uh, processes and what's going on and all of that sort of thing. And then his the takeaway was eat your vegetables mm. because this is going to promote what I just spoke about. Thank you. That's cool. Yeah. Because it's not something you hear from a big jacked dude <laughs> to eat your vegetables. You can't live without them. Really. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. Hello, hello. That's better. We're actually rolling. Cool. <coughs> we roll. Hello. On the JB Podcast here, episode 39, here with Paul, Joe and Tiora, Jungle Brothers, and Sup? one of our great coaches, Fanny, a.k.a. Nina Ronkainen. It's actually funny. Funny. Yeah. How'd you fuck I'd that up? Thought, I know. I actually call you funny every day. <laughs> yeah. I've been working. You got nervous. I got year. stage fright. You got <laughs> nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe in the first Ron week. Kynan? Is that yeah, how you <laughs> After a year. It's pretty good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> how do you say it? Ron Kynan. Ron Kynan. How do you say it? It's I'm with an R, but it sounds like an H when I say oh. it for you guys, because you can't do that. One right. more time. One more time. Yeah, Everyone quiet. Ron Kynan. I can do that. Okay, go. Ron Kynan. Mm. Sounds a bit. Ron Kynan. Ron Kynan. Ron Kynan. I got it. Stop. I've got it. Uh, <laughs> done. I, I don't know. Welcome, to the, ep- you welcome to the episode, guys. Fanny's our uh, funny fucking hell. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's been here a year, boys. I know, man. Fuck. <laughs> Paul implanted it. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I can't remember. You and Jared caught me out with the thing. <laughs> what thing? My uh, repetitive strain injury with in my wrist. Oh, that's <laughs> right. And I kept saying you nailed it. nailed him. Uh, and then I was like, oh, and then I've got this. And I was like, fuck, no, I don't have that. <laughs> that's right. Um, Funny's our uh, our mobility guru here in the gym, amongst other things. But you're you're definitely one of the coaches, big coaching staff. There's nine in total, and you're the one that we know is. I'm not going to say the expert yet, but you're very much on that path and going down that rabbit hole yep. of uh, of mobility, and then obviously the calisthenics and all those things that you're really into. Could you maybe kick off with giving us a little intro uh, about yourself and how you came to be in this position you're in now? Yeah, sure. I, um, I've been pretty active throughout my childhood. Um, I'm from Sweden. And um, I started wrestling when I was nine. And then my dad was competing in powerlifting. So he started introducing me to a squat, bench and deadlift when I was about 11 or 12, I believe. Cool. And then that led me on a path to bodybuilding later on when I went to university and just kept my strength training up. And um, from there, I actually uh, went to Australia for learning more about bodybuilding. So that's the main reason why I came here. That was your thing? That was my thing, yeah. And then I started working at a gym which had gymnastics. And I thought, should I do powerlifting? Should I do gymnastics? And I went down the route of gymnastics because I wanted to fix my injuries and there was a lot of mobility involved. Um, Didn't really happen, got new injuries and all of that sort of thing, but that definitely um, led me down the the path that I'm on at the moment, which is calisthenics, mobility, 
handstands, breathing, that sort of thing. Very cool. And here we are. So, it, you know, from, from a, in simple terms, it, it looks like it kind of went from a, like a hard style training, mm. like kind of bashing the body. Yeah. Now when I see your training, it's, it's like obviously there's, there's niggles and stuff that occur, but it, it's much more, it's much gentler. Yeah. I suppose I would say it's more deliberate. Yeah. Um, throughout the years, obviously, you build uh, a type of, um, kinesthetic awareness, body awareness, that type of thing. And that's very um, focused in my training now compared to what it used to be. Yeah. Before it was just like, let's just do this and see what happens. What do you mean by kinesthetic? <clears throat> it's, it's suppo- I suppose it's um, a body awareness. And that might be the term that most people... Uh, understand a bit better just feeling your body know where you are in space um, but also uh, the control of the body so being able to go into something and notice the subtle the loud um, signals that your body's sending to you and then take action um, from there so if you are about to you get signals you're about to hurt yourself then if you have quite good body awareness and body control, you can sort of step back from that. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Yeah. You would uh, have got a little bit of that in your, in, I mean, just subconsciously from your wrestling as well. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd totally. Guess. Yeah, especially starting uh, a sport from a young age. I think you definitely build that. But then, you know, as you go on and you start school and uh, you... You sit in school and, and that sort of thing and you do stuff that you don't necessarily want to be doing or you're not enjoying and, and that you sort of almost put your body to sleep a little bit again and you need to re- reawaken it. Mm. Did you keep up, um, like so through, through high school and stuff, mm. were you wrestling through that time? Yeah, I was. I was actually, um, I was uh, on a program, like a sports program yeah. for wrestling but... I didn't get into the wrestling high school, which would have meant, you know, six sessions a week or uh, six days a week of wrestling practice. Instead, I was doing one at okay. this one, so it was quite a quite a big uh, difference. Um, and you I did a lot of to get into the, You wanted to get into the wrestling high school? Oh yeah. Yeah right. Yep. Didn't have uh, good enough grades. Oh wow. Yeah. It wasn't about your wrestling performance. It was about your academic performance. Um, I think it was a bit of both, yeah. I was mainly, um, the best I got in Sweden was second. So some of you met my uh, good friend Sophie here the other day. She always came first. Oh. Yeah. You guys would always match up against each other. Always. Yeah, right yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Savage. How many times yeah. did you fight her? Oof. Or wrestle her? I don't know. I can't remember. Many, many times. And you never won? I never won. Savage, oh. man. <laughs> I know this feeling. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that familiar with it, but I could imagine what it would feel yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It plagues you I as you go to sleep yeah. every night. It was quite funny. Like one uh, competition, one local comp. Um, at this time, we'd started to like grown out of this competition and we were the oldest there. Um, we were up against each other in the finals and we're like, fuck, this is so boring, this competition. So I came up with this idea, like, let's just do every second drill and, like, every second technique and just, like, end up with equal points. She's like, yeah, let's do it. So we did it. 
So we went into the wrestling match and we started doing every second drill. What do you, wait, what do you mean every second drill? Uh, I don't know if drill is the English word for it, but like we were basically throwing at each other every second time. So I would go take three points or two points or whatever, and then she would go and do the same. Right. Not the same drill, but she would get an, uh, like the same, same amount of points. Let her. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we were <clears throat> making it look like we were sort of wrestling, but we weren't. It's WrestleMania. Yeah, mm. and then the judges were like, hang on, <laughs> what is going on here? If you don't start wrestling right now, you're going to both be disqualified. Yeah, right. And then she won again. <laughs> yeah. So you almost got it on. Draw. <laughs> I was like, maybe this is my chance. Yeah, yeah. Were you guys you training at the same gym? <laughs> were you guys training at the same gym, or were you just friends through competition or from school? Or um, no, we lived about forty-five minutes away, yeah. um, so we were in different wrestling clubs. Sure. So there were quite a lot of clubs uh, in the south of Sweden, where I'm from, and um, no, we just started. You know, chatting obviously at competitions and stuff like that, and that's how we became friends. And then you trained. You were a coach as well, is that right? Or you definitely got certifications? I think yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah. So I was coaching um, um, tiny little wrestlers as well. Yeah, at this time. Cool. Awesome. Mm. And so through high school, were you like from eleven when your dad taught you how to powerlift? Mm. What a guy! Power, by the way, were you powerlifting that whole time? Yeah, I was doing a bit of a combo between powerlifting and, and bodybuilding. From 11 years old? Yeah. Right on. I think like my max squat, which looking at it today, it was probably not very deep, um, was 85 kilos when I was 15 or 16. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. How, how yeah. What size were you at that age? Because you're pretty small now. Yes, I was probably around the... Uh, I would have been a bit lighter, I think. Yeah. But I was wrestling... Um, when I was wrestling on a higher level, I was probably between 52 and 60. Yeah. So it was depending uh, on competition and stuff like that, if I would oh, have nice. dieted down or not. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. W when did the bodybuilding come into play? Like, how did that, in the timeline, you were wrestling mm. and then you finished school? Yeah, so I actually moved for university to study to um, become a personal trainer. Cool. And um, it was just not very easy to get to any clubs. So I switched to Roo and I did a bit of bodybuilding uh, instead. And I competed in bodybuilding as well uh, once. And um, yeah, that's when it's sort of the cutoff was, I suppose. And, uh, like, uh, that's a part of your history that I know nothing about. Mm. And I haven't seen any evidence of. I'd love oh. to see any comp shots that you have. Yes. But how long did you, do you think you, you bodybuild for? You were doing bodybuilding, focus training for um, a few years or? Um, I pretty much started that when mm. I started uni, which was, mm. oh, was that 07, probably? Yeah. And then I've basically stopped doing that four, four years ago, four or five years ago, something like that, yeah. How long have you been in Australia for now? You six. Six I years. I think, six years, yeah. Talk to me about this mobility piece. Cool. I want to, uh, you've got it written on your shirt, mobility training, then you've got the, your logo, which I really like. It's, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a girl, 
It I is a girl. A, it is a girl, right? It is a Swedish girl, actually, is that I used. It's not me, uh. but I can do a good enough bridge for making it look like me now. Yeah, right yeah. on. Yours it's cool. is great. It's a really yeah. cool logo. It's a back bridge. Yeah. Um, what is what is the mobility thing? Can you kind of define it in yeah. simple terms? Because it's a term that gets thrown around a lot, right? Yeah, it is. Um, well, I, th- I suppose the simple way of defining it is um, that mobility is strength through motion uh, or range of motion, rather. Um, when I started mobility training, I was always looking at people like Ido Potel that had that freedom of movement. They could move in so many different uh, ways, positions, angles, ranges, um, and they were strong in those positions and movements as well. That is sort of what I am envisioning uh, mobility training and what I help people with, moving really well. Yeah, yeah. okay. So I guess it's, the, it's that combination of, like there's a lot of things that go into it. It's not just about being flexible. It's not yeah. just about having like cool tricks. But yeah, there's, totally. there's coordination, there's... There is coordination. Uh, obviously, timing will be a big thing as well, depending on what you're doing. Um, but again, that body awareness of uh, knowing your body, feeling your body, um, being able to go in and out of things without hurting yourself, uh, that is also a big component of it. And lately, I've been tying the breathing into it as well. Uh, I read somewhere or heard somewhere someone say, if you can't breathe well, you won't be able to use your full range of motion either. And that really rings true to me. And something I've noticed lately is... Where I've been going wrong all this time. Ah, possibly. That's been the, the, the crux of I'm your gonna, dilemma. I'm going to blame that because I haven't <laughs> made any, any changes in my mobility for a very long time. You've made some little changes, uh, haven't you? Tell me more about that. I'm doing like three hours a week, I would yeah. say. Well, that's an exaggeration, probably two on average. And I haven't really seen a hell of a lot of change in the last year, I would say. I still enjoy it, though. Yeah. It's, um, breathing is a big, big factor for improving range of motion. Because if you walk around tight and stiff all the time, just holding tension... Have you hugged this guy before? It's like hugging a piece of concrete. I know. Yeah. Well, I'm not like... I'm I'll not stretch like him, bro. <coughs> Chad stiff. <laughs> Mm, I mean, no. I've never hugged Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get your arm around him. He's quite <laughs> stiff, however. But, um, yeah, the, I mean, you have a, yeah. like a, uh, a rigidity to yeah. your body, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I do. Yeah, some people seem to have that type of body where they, they hold a lot of tension, like neural, neural tension. Mm. I definitely think um, adding breathing and relaxation techniques to, to the stretching is going to make a big difference. Do you think that there are, you know, because I, I can think of another person I know, a friend of ours, Tim Branston, who's, uh, I've done, we've done some work together trying to help him become more mobile. And he said to me when we started, he said, dude, just so you know, my dad is like super tight. I'm super tight. He's like, I remember sitting on the ground with my legs crossed at, at like preschool. And he said all the other kids could sit cross-legged. And he's like, my legs, my knees were up because they just couldn't. They just couldn't, my hips couldn't externally rotate. Sounds like Jared. Yeah, and he's like, he goes, that's just been me forever. So he's like, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, but I just wanted to let you know that everything I've tried hasn't worked. Yeah. Um, do you think that there's some people that just have a, I mean, a, a genetic predisposition or whatever it is, something environmental perhaps? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that is so. 
um, you can like when you <coughs> when you observe people, you can certainly see people that are more um, tight, rigid. Why are you looking at me when you say that? <laughs> Can't help it. <laughs> 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 um, making me tense. Don't look at me. He's like he's sitting there relaxed, <laughs> but I can see all the veins in his arms, <laughs> the veins in his neck. <laughs> But I think, uh, I mean, another thing that's important to mention is you don't necessarily want, um, when we're talking about flexibility, you don't want to have a greater passive range than your active range. Can you explain the difference between yeah. the two? Yeah. So if you were to lay on your back and you have your legs straight and a person is lifting your legs straight over towards your head. One so leg. One leg. The one leg, yeah. The one leg. So you go into hip flexion with that leg. So you are testing the range of motion of the back of that leg. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, that is the passive range to see where it stop. Um, if you were to bring the legs down and then do that by yourself, that is your active range. So if there is a too big of a discrepancy there, that is not good because if you are in your everyday life activities or at sport or whatever, go ever go into that passive range and you don't have that strength and integrity of the, the joint and the muscles there, then that might not be such a good There's thing. There's injury potential in that There zone, is huh? injury potential there for sure. That slice of the pie. I screened yeah. uh, someone this morning and they had the opposite way around. Mm. Their passive range was shorter than their active. Yeah. Really? Mm. I've seen I that. I've never heard of that. And wow. what I... Th like what I think it was in in um, that's impossible. In you my must instance, have done the test wrong. No, no, no. Yeah, it, was, I it worked. It was. It, it could be that they are not relaxing properly when you're. You yeah. Well, we we were ran you doing it personal trainer style, where you like lie on the leg, and then you like kind of lie on top of them, and you look into their eyes, and you're like, how does that stretch feel? <laughs> Balls on feel the hamstring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where in the middle of a gym with people all around you. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I'm a married man. Good man, good man. Maybe the old days. Yeah. The guy, the guy said no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nah, bro, it still feels pretty tight to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Dude, stop looking at my eyes. <laughs> you know this stretch, funny. You've seen the Pete. You've have you worked in any? You've been in some big commercial gyms. I have, yeah. In Classic great hamstring. Seems stretch. to be that male male PTs, <laughs> like young male PTs, love to administer to <coughs> young female clients. Totally. <laughs> or jujitsu <laughs> practitioners. Ah, yeah. Well, it's part of the game. Stack pass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. look, I'm all about partner stretching. I really like partner uh, stretching. Yes, um, you do. But I don't make it feel awkward awkward for the person um, <laughs> receiving, so to speak. <laughs> well, the partner stretching is is awkward enough as it is because they're they're quite intense. They are quite I mean, intense. Yeah. We've done a bunch of it in the gym with you and your small group. Mm. Yep. You want to talk us through uh, the difference between, say, your active mobility work and and the, the, the partner stretching, because it, it's, it feels yeah. like a very different experience. It is a different experience. Um, and it can go a little bit both ways, because if you work together with a partner, you also, uh, there is a few things going on here. So you have someone else to um, take into consideration, right? So they can help you and support you in the position that you're holding, not necessarily pushing you deeper, because that's not always what we're after, but actually just supporting you and holding you in a position where you can actually relax. And I've found and seen that the sort of apprehension of the person stretching is actually lowering. So 
it's easier for them to hold a good position and get a good stretch and just focus on what they need to focus on. But if you have a partner that is a bit stressed or um, whatnot, they are moving a little bit too fast, um, that sort of thing, it also can become the opposite. So it's not going to be very useful and it's going to be quite a stressful um, situation for the person stretching. Yeah. So the yeah. So you want to keep them uh, feeling comfortable and safe, etc. Yeah. So well, what's the aim the, to these long, big old? Lo- get sorry. flexible, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, if you it, think it, of well, you could do that a number of different ways. What's the yeah, aim? Yeah, totally. The, the passive. Is it a pa- is, is it a passive? Are they passive stretches? I use contract and relax techniques. Yeah. So if someone knows what PNF is. It's a little bit similar, but not necessarily that you have to contract for eight seconds and then uh, relax for eight seconds, eight seconds and repeat that for three times. It's more of an... Uh, Proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. Yes. To your own. What the hell that <laughs> fucking means. Yeah. <laughs> it's more about... Never um, got any results no, science over here. <laughs> Just science. Yeah. It's more about listening to your intuition a bit and get <clears> to know your body. And also it's about... Um, increasing your body map. So if I were to say to you, do can you feel your liver? Can you feel your organs? Like now, just sitting here? Mm. No. Yeah. So there is a lot of know. territories in our bodies that... You you, is it possible though? Territories, I like that. You know what? That seems like it's I can't verging do it on yet. witchcraft. Yeah, I can't do it yet, but I can feel much more of the inner... Uh, structures of my body than I was right. before. So the muscles that, that are pushing against the organs yeah, could that potentially sort of thing. give you a bit of feedback. Structures. Rather than yeah. the organs themselves. Maybe. Or the organs themselves. Maybe. I'm not, I don't know yet. Ooh. I don't know Contentious, yet. Contentious uh, topic, that one. But think of it as you're peeling the layers off an onion, onion, right? So You can say onion, it sounds more European. Yeah. <laughs> Swedish people always say onion. Onion. <laughs> onion. Um, <laughs> Onion. That's what we are doing with the stretching <laughs> a little bit. We want to increase the, the body maps, the way we can go, the way we, where we can feel, all those sort of territories that we don't necessarily can feel at the moment. <clears throat> like it's quite common for people to come in and I put them in a stretch and they're like, I can't feel anything. Okay. You probably are potentially, you're ignoring sensations as mm-hmm. you know as a thing in life in general and with the stretching we want to try and unfold that whole th- sort of thing where we are actually building sensations and, and feeling the sensations in the body a bit better so we're trying to expand on that body map here's a question on that yeah. uh, and i think i um what's a good analogy um when you have someone say new in jiu-jitsu yep. and they and it's like their first class and, you know, you have a little bit of time to teach them a couple of things. So you're like, hey, we're going to work on this one position or maybe two positions and here's kind of two or three different cues or different parts of the position that you need to do and then that's good. And then they start, the person starts with the questions, but why would I, why would I put my hand there? Or, but if I did that, wouldn't the person do that? And, you know, you kind of just tell them, look, we've only, you know, it's your first session, don't worry about that yet. Um, give it more time and all of these things, you know, you will learn as you go. Um, so you kind of intentionally restrict the amount of information you give them because you know that for, the, for how much time they have, what's important is just to teach them one or two things. 
Um, so say like with this idea of body mapping, is there, why do it? What is the reason behind it? Because I'm imagining it takes a lot of time. Like I'm, you know, when you get someone yeah. in who's out of touch mm. with the sensations they're feeling, is there a point where it becomes like where you have to go too deep to try and learn or do you, or, or in your opinion, is it worth taking that journey? You could have them bench pressing. <laughs> They're your options. I know, I mean, realistically, like yeah. do, you, do you sit there and do the internal stuff or do you have them moving or is it a, like a process? It is, it's a bit of both and it's a process. I think for myself, what I have discovered and I can't really speak for anyone else because I don't feel your bodies as I feel mine, um, it's definitely been a worthwhile uh, journey where I can feel stuff that I could not feel, you know, a few months ago, a couple of years ago, which is really cool because it opens up doors for what I can do. So it's about expanding on that body map so that I can have more abilities, like have capacity to do more things. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Mm, can I and ask? I, yeah. Yeah. Good. Sorry. Um, I think we skipped over the body mapping bit exactly. Or can you just like explain a little bit more what you mean by body mapping and yeah. awareness? Because it's not with the organs thing was mentioned and then it was kind of skipped straight to like feeling organs. Mm. But you're also talking about mapping out new range in the body. Like what are, yeah. what are you guys talking about when you're saying body mapping? I would like to use the um, onion analogy here again. So obviously you have you may. superficial muscles and you have... Uh, structures and muscles that are more sort of inner muscles and you have a lot of layers of structures around your body in general. So if you have an onion and you do a stretch on this onion, you feel the superficial layers first, quite likely, but you can't necessarily dive deeper in straight away because you have that tightness on the outside layers. So you can't actually access the layers that is more, that is deeper. Okay, sure. So that's what we are doing with peeling the layers off the onion. We are trying to peel those off. Okay, they used to be tight, but now I can feel them and I can work with them and I can move them in a completely different way compared to uh, what I used to. And then it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And um, Yeah, that makes sense to me, for sure. Yeah. So it's like on a less on the organ level but if i was trying to stretch uh, a muscle group mm. one might be tighter and uh what do you call it superficial yep to the uh, to the body yeah and once i get through stretching that then yep. i can feel something that's a little underneath it that needs a bit of attention mm. and that's body mapping yeah yeah like that's in, uh, well, in a sense to me i understand yeah. that as like it's me trying to feel things and get to yeah. things that I couldn't get to before. Yeah, Because I didn't exactly. have the map for it type thing. Yeah, it's exactly like that. And kind of building, I, I should building probably, awareness. Uh, yeah. yeah, it is building more awareness, more, um, I don't know, physical intelligence could be used here. I don't no, know I if that's a, a good term for it. But um, the thing with like feeling your your organs, I, don't, I can't really feel my organs. Um, but... I'm asking the question to myself whether I can potentially at some stage feel my organs. Start because mapping your organs. I've started to map quite a, like obviously more of my body than what I used to. 
um, or used to have, I suppose. So it's just an interesting question to, to raise. Your husband, we should yes. let everyone know who your husband is. Do yeah. you want to tell us? Because we've had him on the podcast. Yeah, Luke Tullock. Luke Tullock. And yep. he's, he's an analytical he's kind of guy. He's my man crush. Mm. He likes he it. He knows that. He likes I think his, everyone his knows that, Joe. <laughs> it's not a secret. <laughs> <laughs> we flexed quads together. How, do, how does he feel about you mapping <laughs> organs? I'm sure he's got something to say on the subject. You know what? Luke and I are very similar in many regards, but we also come from uh, different places. So I'm quite intuitive-based. Uh, Luke is, like you said, quite analytical, um, intelligent. Uh, good looking. Like them, good looking. And you're saying I'm not? I never said oh, that. Joe. I never said I don't want to offend Luke. You're gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we come from um, slightly different points of view and um, our strengths, I suppose, in that is a bit different, uh, which is great because we can keep quite interesting uh, conversations and, and um, different points of view for people. We actually share a fair bit of our students. So I do mobility and handstands and skills and stuff like that. And then he, just he does the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nutrition cool. and all that. It's so a good combo. It's a really good combo. Yeah, it works surprisingly well. Yeah. And it, well, I mean, that it's cool because you dabbled me. in that. So you know his sense. world. Yeah, He totally. dabbles a bit in what you do. So you kind of, you know, you guys crisscross a bit. Yeah. It's like science and witchcraft <laughs> combined. Are you calling me a witch? Jeez. <laughs> 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 witchcraft is different to being a witch. It could be a warlock. Yeah, w- witchcraft can be for good as well. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. Certainly. I want I was going to say just a good example for folks who who might still be unclear on the body map thing. A, a real simple example that I think any coach or that that any coach can identify with, and any person listening can probably identify with too, is when you get someone who's kind of new to training and you're having them do something. Uh, let's say you're having them um, do some deadlifts, and they the person will say to you. Um, it's hurting my back. And you'll say, oh, okay, well, that, wait, let's stop a sec. Like, let's investigate that. Is it, it you feeling pain? They're like, yeah, I'm feeling pain. And then you're like, dig a little bit. Oh, what, what are you actually feeling? Like, does it hurt here? And oh, no, it doesn't really hurt. It's just like, I can just feel my back. And you're like, oh, okay, so you feel a sensation there. And it's like, yeah, I feel a sensation. And often, most of the time you get down to, they're just using muscles that they haven't felt in that intensity before. Mm. And they're getting a signal. That the muscle is working. Yeah. But in their, with their terminology and the, I guess you could say the, the mapping idea, they have like shitty maps that they're using and they're like, they just interpret the sensation as pain and then they tell you it's pain. Mm. They and don't what, have, yeah, they, they might don't have not the have the nuance. tools. Yeah. And it's very small, <clears throat> like pain vocabulary. Yeah. Like being able to register what, what that feedback actually is actually telling. And that them. is physical yeah. intelligence, as you said before. Yeah, I think uh, the stretching, the type of stretching that I'm doing is really helping with that sort of thing because it is a lot about um, noticing and sensing different subtle too loud um, sensations that is going on. So they get more experience in that, I suppose, Um, and they learn that over time. But I also agree with what you said before, Joe. Um, I think it's a good idea to give them a few things to work on and not overwhelm them the first few times. I mean, Tilroy probably overwhelmed, but he has a little bit of experience. Yeah. So I just threw him in 
in he the deep end. No, no, I was good info. in the deep end. I'm good. <laughs> I, if anything, I felt like Paul and Jared were just holding me back, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Not holding you up, holding you back. Jared, well, I think he's still think recovering you from that one session you guys did three months ago. <laughs> Jared's you that naughty kid. He just <laughs> yeah. all the bloody attention. Boy, this class, class is fucked, eh? <laughs> <laughs> he just can't stop joking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is, it's funny at the time, but then now is up. It's and not. Like, no, exactly. He's just taking exactly. my stretch class from me. Absolutely. I got <laughs> Oh, no, you go. No, I'm just going back to the, the, the feeling safe and the partner thing. And I, um, I know what your stretch classes look like. I've been in them and I've seen other ones um, that you were doing over with the physical alchemy glaze. And uh, I just wanted to ask about the environment type uh, aspect of it. Yeah, as in that's a good one. The carpet, the feeling safe. Because I, to go back to those sessions, I loved them. But I, I was there to get flexible. And I, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy the joking part. Like, you, it's, it's a group training. But there was, like, a lot too much talk and, and joking from characters. Yeah. But, like, it's an important thing. Like, you have to be aware and focused. You have to feel safe. Yep. Maybe low light. Do you use things like low light or... Yeah, so... You use the carpets, which are really cool. Yeah, so it's... Um, so I attend a stretch class myself as well to do stretching. Because um, you're not flexible enough. It doesn't actually have too much to do with flexibility at this stage. It's more about the, the body mapping and the sensations yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, I've come to realise I don't necessarily need more flexibility. Like, I've, I feel like I'm... I've Still got chasing it, though? Still um, chasing it, always. It's a little bit more about building strength in the range for me rather than flexibility at this stage. Were you, were you yeah. always flexible, like from wrestling? Or um, no. I could not do a pancake very well. Like I barely got to a 45-degree angle in the, in, in okay. the, in the, um, in the back. Sure. Um, That's before. decent. Yeah, 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 but it was. Um, I'm it, on it negative took me five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It did take me quite a few months to, uh, or year. Years, a couple of years to get down to um, where I'm now. Pancake, if you're, if you're listening and you're like, the fuck's that? That's <laughs> sitting on your bum, legs out wide. So legs are straddled, knees yep. are locked. And then you're hinging forward at the hips. Yeah. And so uh, what Funny is referring to is being able to keep a neutral spine, like a f- straight back and sit at a 45 degree angle. Yeah. Which probably for 99% of listeners, if you tried it now, you'd get nowhere near it. Yeah, it, it is Tough. hard. Yeah, it's very tough. It is. Uh, But to answer your question, Paul, um, Mm. yes, environment is extremely important. Um, There is going to be some uh, aspects of the stretching that that you want to get that is impossible to get in a gym where there is other people around you, uh, music, uh, and even just um, the layout of the space and stuff like that can also impact that. So the stretching class that I go to with uh, Dave Wardman at Physical Alchemy. Hello, Dave. Shout out, Dave. Um, Wardy. He, he brings... Uh, <laughs> he's not really a Wardy. <laughs> no, he's not. That's why I do that. <laughs> <laughs> Mate. <laughs> so he, he actually brings this huge Persian rug, yeah, folds it out, and you know it's in a smaller space than what we have here. The person who brings the Persian rugs in our group, they're bringing something different. Ooh. <laughs> For swingers' night. No, bro. Drugs. Oh. <laughs> 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 Ticket. Different stretch session. Yeah, yeah. Goes blank on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it, it gives a completely different feel. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. There's a, have you heard of neuroception? Have you 
Neuroception. Uh, yeah, John John Marsh, buddy of mine, who's been on the podcast before, talks about it a lot. Mm. Um, and he's really into the breath and meditation. And uh, neuroception is a thing that he refers to a lot, which is kind of what your touch, which is, you know, I'm sure there's other words for it, but it's kind of what you're talking about with the rug and the lighting and the music and the softness and all those things. Mm. We don't um, have music. Uh, okay, or the lack thereof. Mm. Mm. Um, it's breath. the idea that we're, we're constantly reading signals in our environment and totally. they are affecting our nervous system, you know, in real time. And so a lot of it comes down to like tone of voice, um, the softness of the face that you're looking at, uh, the hand gestures that I might use to describe a thing, uh, you know, like all of those little things. And so, you know, the good example is like when you see a, when you see a woman who looks like a mother and you instantly feel comfortable around her because she has motherly, she, she, she has mother, like she exhibits motherly qualities. So you're like, oh, like I trust her. You know, like Vera who trains with us. She mm. has, you know, you just know when you see her, when you talk to her, you're like, oh, I, I could like come around for dinner and just spend all night being looked after by her. Um, and so that neuroception thing is really big. And so what you're talking about is creating an environment that is, is not exciting the nervous system. It's essentially allowing you to, to relax and be, <coughs> be comfortable there. Yeah, totally. I think it's uh, hugely important. Um, and I think... Um, it's also one of the things that has pulled me away from um, high, intense, high intensity training and stuff like that in, in groups before because I didn't have adequate body awareness to like go hard, center in myself and knowing, you know, you know, paying attention and focus to myself. It was always too much stuff going on. Right. So, yeah. Overstimulus, which is a very. Um, uh, very uh, dangerous scenario for somebody who doesn't move very well. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Mm. I have a question about the just the mobility side of things. There's a um, there's a group that does, and I won't mention them because I'm not trying to call anyone out yet. Um, camp. No, no, it's not even that. It's a, it's a, it's a mobility just thing. Guessing. F45. It's a yeah. <laughs> dickheads, hate them. Uh, who else you got? Hate them. Um, there's Anytime. a the, mobility's their thing, right? And so it's mm. all about range and controlling your range and etc. Mm. And uh, and from what I can see from the outside, not having done any of their courses, they do amazing stuff. But, but. what I do see <laughs> is that there's this. Um, They've gone very deep down the rabbit hole, right? Obviously, like any, any group that's specializing in one particular thing, they obviously have to, they have to really specialize in that thing because that's what they're doing. Mm. Um, otherwise, they cease to have anything to offer. Yeah. But they have a bit of a mantra that is, um, it's along the lines of, you know, not, not in these exact terms, but if you don't have perfect control of every joint and all the range, mm. then you haven't earned the right to move. Yeah. So, you know, sport, weightlifting, training at the gym, whatever the fuck you want to do, mm. there's prerequisites. Yeah. And on one hand, I get that because it's, it's important to recognise that, yes, people need to be at a certain level or a certain level of awareness, or, you know, physical capacity or awareness so that they don't hurt themselves. Mm. But at the same time, people are people and they, they have the freedom to do whatever they want and they, you know, and people want to move, right? Someone comes to the gym, they want to do a boxing class. They want to do a fucking boxing class. They don't want to stretch for two years. What's your? Do you have any thoughts on that? As a yeah, you know, totally. in the real world, in terms of integrating it, and I think mobility training is all well and good, but if that is all you do, 
always, it's not probably not a good thing. And you're probably not progressing all that well. Like you want to integrate at some stage. So the, the faster you can integrate into what you were talking about, like a sport or activity or something like that and actually use your range of motion in, in motion, um, I think that is better and it, it, it is what we want to strive towards. And it's something that you can't necessarily get from being super strict uh, during mobility exercises always. There is different factors that comes into that, I think. Um, I think that's like ridiculous, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's working on your car all too. day and making it like finely tuned machine and never driving it. It's not going to make you a better it's not driver. not perfect yet. Yeah, mm. and you're never going to learn how to drive the vehicle. Mm. So if you're just making it work really well and then you go out for that one day for a drive and you're <coughs> still a fucking learner, it mm. doesn't make a difference. You still so want to move true. like shit. Yeah. You've got to be practicing, bro. Yeah, I think it's very... Like, mobility training and and range of motion is very task-dependent. Like, whether you are doing powerlifting and you really love doing that and that's what you want to do, or if you're playing rugby, like, there is going to be... Or if you're a gymnast, like, there is going to be very different um, requirements for those different activities. So I think mobility should be a tool, a complement to what you actually want to do. Um, I remember when I first started training with Emmett, he's like, what are your goals? And I'm like, oh, you know, front split, middle split, blah, 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 blah. He's like, okay, but what are your goals? after that, <laughs> like, what are your goals? Like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's hmm. like, do you want to, like, do some dancing? Do you want to get back to wrestling? Um, like, what do you want to do? Context? Like, what do you enjoy? And, you know, yeah. And it's like, oh, there is actually... There is life There is life splits. beyond training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think um, I think that's important too. Yeah, there's something that Emmett said to me a long time, uh, you know, when he was here last, that I that kind of stuck with me, and because you know Emmett Lewis is a he's a you know, he's a wizard. Uh, yeah, he's a wizard of mobility and yeah. flexibility, right? Like that's his thing. He goes around the world teaching Splits seminars. Wizard. Isn't that what Splits we wizard. Yeah, wizard. that's right. And you know, he's been on the <coughs> show before. We're close with him. He's a fucking legend of a guy. Yeah. And he's very good at what he does. Very. And good. he comes here and runs a two day workshop, and it's like eight hours a day, but they go over to like 10 hours and it's fucking more mobility and stretching than you can fucking process. <laughs> um, but then he you get into a shitty mood after the class. Yeah, fuck all this stuff gets released. Eh? <laughs> the nervous system gets fried. But he, but he said to me, uh, I can't That's remember awesome. if he said it to me or if he said it on the show or maybe it was in the workshop, but he, he mentioned um, about when you get a new person that comes in to train with you and what you should do with that person. And he's like, yeah, for like the first couple of months, just get them to do squats and deadlifts and like pushing and pulling, like just like build a bit of muscle and basic movement patterns. And I was like, and I'd always felt that and that's kind of what we do. But I was like, that's so cool because he's he's deep in the rabbit hole, but he's also not com- so indoctrinated by his specialization yeah. that he thinks that that's what everyone needs straight away. Yeah. So he recognizes that, yeah, give them this thing first yeah. that will build certain capacities and then... When the time is right, you start to introduce this other stuff. He's actually extremely skilled with programming and how to not complicate things. You look at his programming and you're like, fuck, I could have done this myself. And then it's like, oh, I would have definitely put in too much stuff and too, yeah, too high volume, et cetera, et cetera. But he's really good with taking all the factors into consideration 
and just put enough there and make it simple. Yeah. And it works really fucking well. You did online coaching with him for a period? Yeah, almost a year and a half, I think. Yeah, yep. cool. About the same as me. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, me too. Legendary. Mm. Is he coming back around this way? No, kind of <coughs> looking out for it, but I, I haven't seen it. I hear rumours. Oh, yeah? I don't know if anything is set yet. Well, he's got his online thing going now. Yeah, the handstand factory? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah, it is awesome. I went to the um, the release retreat last year. That was, was it in epic. Turkey? In Turkey, yeah. That yeah. looks sick. Oh, that yeah. Fun. It was amazing. Yeah. What about injury management? Mm. It's a big, uh, big thing for you. I know that that's something that you like to work with. Yep. What's your approach with injury? Um, Where do you start? Obviously with the screen. You yeah. Want to start there? Yeah, I do an assessment to see how the joints are moving and then how well they can control themselves in, in different um, positions and, and movements. Um, then after that, basically with pain and injury specifically, I have quite an open mind to it. So I like to try stuff and see if it's working. And if it's not, then Get rid of it. that's fine. We can do something different. But if there is an exercise that I believe is going to work quite well and it's probably the best one for them at that time, I always like to try that and see if it works. Very, very often it's because of um, beliefs that it's not working or that they are anticipating that it is going to hurt. But if you try it, and you ask yourself, you know, how does this feel rather than does this hurt? Then very often it actually does work quite well. Yeah. Mm. So screening, build yep. a program off the back of that. Yep. Running around the thing or using, utilizing the stuff that, that doesn't inhibit a pain response or? I don't go into do pain right. if I can avoid it. Um, and I use breathing a lot. So just calming the whole nervous system down or the whole body, really. Um, what I've noticed, I had an assessment yesterday and uh, the woman was, uh, was moving really well through the <laughs> pelvis. But when we got to the rib cage, it was not moving very well at all. And I've seen that several times lately, which makes me wonder if or I, I, I quite suspect that it has something to do with um, poor breathing patterns. So very often I get them to do breathing exercises early on to establish more movement through the rib cage, um, and that will affect a lot of things. So. And you're writing a book on breathing at the moment. It's not a, a book. A novel. But you're writing a book. <laughs> it's a novel. It is. When does this uh, book come out? <laughs> I believe it's an article. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a 13-page so far article. It's probably going to be somewhere when I, you know. Um, as I finish it off, it might be 11 or 12 pages, I think. And can you, can you talk a little bit about what's in there? Yeah, so there is many ways you, are, you can breathe and, and practice breathing, but the focus of this article and, and uh, an online course that I'm working on is a fundamental breath where you are calming the nervous system down. So you have uh, parasympathetic nervous, nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system is your fight, flight or freeze where you spend most of your time when you are stressed. Um, and in every, uh, on an everyday 
you probably spend most of your time in there, or most people would. When you're on social media. Social media, you have sour conversations with your boss at work, that <laughs> sort of thing. Assholes. Sorry, we've got to cut your pay. <laughs> but we want <laughs> to really <laughs> tap into the parasympathetic nervous system. So this type of breathing exercise that I will be um, having in this course is um, to do with stimulating the vagus nerve, which is the main nerve, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest system. And it basically calms your, your body, calms and brings peace. So how do, you, how do you tap into that? What's a, what's a, yeah. Is there like a sequence that you can share with us or is yeah. it a secret? No, it's not a secret and it's quite well known. It's just that we don't use this secret weapon, you know. Right. It's, or it's not really secret, but it, it's, um, it's a powerful thing to do deep breathing. So we want to try and extend the exhale. And if we can do a pause after that, that is really good. try that now. Mm, do it. So I'm just breathing out. automatically doing it. So, so, <laughs> so it's, do, you, do you make a noise like in a yoga class? You can, but let's not complicate <sighs> it. <laughs> That's all out now. Okay, so... Nasal better? Nasal, I would recommend nasal. because firstly, it actually changes the temperature of the, of the air, but you also don't uh, pull in so much air that you can do with your mouth. So it's a little bit of a slower breathing automatically. Going through the nose. And I'm staying, um, I'm staying present with the breath. Is yeah, that the focus? You're, I'd you're like focusing like on the breath. Like a meditative kind of state. Is that the aim? Yeah, I uh, put meditation in slightly different category and focus on meditation uh, separately. But yeah, you want to focus on the breathing. You don't want to necessarily think about what you're cooking for dinner and what veggies you're going to use and, you know. That sort of thing. What type of what type of tempo, like as an example, would be the yep. bre- uh, the breathing? And when you exhale, do you also nasally exhale? Yep. So let me take this from the beginning. Yep. Don't um, interrupt. <laughs> so yeah. very very Sorry. often, if you read a, a textbook on breathing, they would say that your inhale is active and your uh, exhale is passive, but as humans, we are actually one of very few animals that don't need to take one breath with a stride or a step. We can consciously breathe however we want. And that means that we can tap into the parasympathetic nervous system if we like and calm the whole system down if we like. So a typical deep breathing exercise that I would start with is actually just sitting down and observing the breath. and pay attention to whether you are doing nasal breathing or mouth breathing, whether you are breathing into your uh, abdominal cavity or your uh, chest or thoracic cavity. Um, If it's smooth, if it's rapid, uh, all of those sort of things. And then from there, you want to take a bit of control of the breathing. So you want to try and longer the exhale a little bit, but only so much that it can still be smooth. So an exhale for maybe five, seven seconds to start with, if we're going to keep a count. Um, And then pausing for three. And then just let the air move into the lungs for five. Mm -hmm. But actually by relaxing Mm -hmm. the diaphragm, relaxing the belly, that sort of thing, not by sucking it in, which is most common. And then you would repeat. So, 
yeah, we want to uh, get the exhale and a pause thereafter. Um, those two phases are very important to lower the heart rate and uh, stimulate the vagus nerve and tapping into the parasympathetic nervous system. You can try this yourself. If you are breathing in and you're holding, you can probably feel your heart rate actually increasing if you are paying close attention to it. Yeah, and right. it should be the opposite um, with the exhale and the pause. Would you, uh, so if you were trying to downregulate, like you're trying to relax the nervous system, yeah. would you focus on the breathing in, breathing out and holding or would you focus also on holding with the breath in? Um, I do that sometimes, but for the more sort of calming uh, exercise that I'm working on myself and teaching others to do at the moment, I don't hold on the inhale. Yeah, okay. So yep. it's just like the three steps, yep. in, out, hold, in, <coughs> out, hold. Yeah. I, even for most people, they can't actually handle a count they, because they will get that um, grasp for air reflex. I don't yep. know what that's called, but um, they get that impulse of like, oh, I need to breathe. Yep. So for them, I would simply just observe and then take control of the exhale and the inhale and even skip the pause in between because they can't make that smooth enough to make progress on it. They don't have the capacity currently. Yes. So the pause, did you say that it slows the heart rate or yep. it increases it? Um, the pause after the inhale would quite likely increase your heart rate and the pause after the exhale would slow, slow things down and calm things. And actually, when I kick into a handstand, I exhale as I am doing that or before I do that because the pause after the exhale improves um, fine motor control. Hmm. That's cool. So it helps me actually sticking the balance in the handstand as well. Exhale, hold, kick up and then resume. No, I probably do it a bit more as I kick up. So right. I exhale as I kick up and then I only hold enough for uh, balance for finding balance and, yeah. then and then I start breathing in various ways. No, it's not have to try that. Yeah. Very various ways, can you elaborate on that? It will largely depend on what level you're at and what you've done previously. So um, that's the main thing for me. And then I work on nasal breathing and then um, a longer exhale. Uh, no, sorry, a sharp exhale and a longer uh, inhale, but it's it's quite um, tricky, relaxed and uh, <coughs> conscious, I suppose. Yeah, but I found that breathing is quite an interesting thing. It's like any other type of training. You can't give people too much to work with because it won't work. So you have to really pay attention to how they are breathing and look at them, and then do step by step. But it, I think it's important as well that they observe how they're breathing themselves because they are the ones that are going to breathe. I'm not going to breathe for them and I'm not going to be there most often. What are you often. looking for when you see something like that? If, like you, you're getting them to force the air, like get the, get the abdomen to move. You start seeing them uh, breathing high in the chest or with their traps. Is that a sign of like that short breath of tension that you want to release? Like what, what yeah. are the signs that you're looking for with poor breathing there is there's quite a few different breathing poor, I should say, breathing patterns. Because most of us would be breathing poorly, yep. generally, like general population. Yeah, it's quite um, 
it's very common. So let's um, say there's listeners listening to you now and they yep. want to just analyse the way they breathe. Yeah. What would they be looking for? So like I said before, I would start observing whether you are uh, breathing through the nose or the mouth. That's one thing. And whether you can breathe deeper into your belly rather than the chest. Um, if it's rapid or if it's quite smooth, that sort of thing. But you have different breathing patterns where you are... Um, that people are lifting the clavicular or they are expanding through the chest and the belly is not moving at all. So what's that telling you? Probably that the air is not going deep enough into the lungs. And so the respiratory ventilation, so the gas exchange, is not really happening. So we breathe in um, a higher concentration of oxygen and we are exhaling more uh, carbon dioxide. So that gas exchange there is probably not being as efficient as it could because they're just breathing up shallow. Mm. And I guess you're using muscles that aren't really designed for, like they're not diaphragm muscles. They are not using the diaphragm. They're incorporating into, into your breathing techniques, which is not yep. a good thing for just having balance, I guess, across the body. Yeah. So very often if you, I were to give a person who's quite stressed and not breathing very well, if I were to give them a count, okay, exhale for seven, pause for three, and then you inhale for five, they would still keep their poor breathing pattern by breathing into the chest or very high up in the chest and potentially even uh, put a, um, a strain on the neck muscles and all of that sort of thing. They would still not push the air into the belly because they don't have that capacity and that ability uh, at the moment. So actually working on simple stuff that pushes the air uh, softly into the belly and deeper down. doesn't have to be expanding the belly out as much as you can, but think of it as um, the diaphragm is a dome shape. So when you're breathing in, that's going to go straight down to your pelvic floor. So that's more sort of breathing in deep down. And the, the pelvic floor is sort of the diaphragm for the pelvis. So that will move in the same direction. The pelvic floor will. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it will also, they will put pressure down. So the dome-shaped diaphragm will go down and the pressure down uh, on the pelvic floor or the pelvic diaphragm is also going to go down. Yeah, okay, become sort of concave rather than... Yeah, I don't know how much it it moves, (coughs) but um, the air definitely... Should feel a bit of pressure on Yeah, but it's a good good point because I know when I've done breath work in the past, that cue of like, your, your belly should come out. Mm. Sometimes if you try, if you venture to make that happen too hard, you just end up using your abs. Yeah. You're just pushing your abs out and expanding your stomach. Exactly. You're not, ac- it's, you're not actually achieving this use of the diaphragm, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. So kind of keeping it softer, looking for some sort of expansion in the lower torso or like the abdomen area. Yeah. But not forcing your belly out. The way that I think about it is on the exhale, I think of the... Um, the torso um, as a balloon or the, the sort of the abnormal area as a balloon. And when I exhale, I softly pull that in from all different directions. And then from there, when I breathe in, I basically just relax and it'll happen automatically. But it quite likely needs a little bit of a push to push all the air out on the exhale. And then the passive inhale can take place. And that'll happen just through vacuum and the, gas ex- there is a bit of exchange. Yeah, there, there will be a, a recall and, and a, a vacuum type mm. of effect there. 
but um, you you can take conscious control of it a bit more if you are because breathing is an automatic function of the body. But like I said before, we're shit at it. We we're pretty poor at it. But also, we are one of very few animals that don't do one breath per stride or step. So we can't consciously take three, four steps in in uh, in one breath so if you're we wanted to. Most other mammals do one breath per step. Yep. So the faster they move, the faster they breathe. Correct. Wow. That's super interesting. Why is that the case? Like, why why do they do that? Do you know why? I don't know why. Because you'd be feeding more oxygen to someone, <laughs> to your body. When you, you need Carl. more oxygen when you move faster. It probably, yeah, yeah it could but definitely but have more something. More rapid there. breaths doesn't necessarily equate to that. Sh- sh- more contraction, Does maybe. it not? Cheetah would be breathing pretty fast. It'd yeah, be like they <laughs> would. <laughs> <laughs> like tea when he exactly sees a tub like of ice cream. What about a toad? <laughs> He's only hopping every three minutes. Is that right? Maybe holding his breath for a while. Yeah, it's true. Chilling. Very mm. parasympathetic. Mm. Let's do some more research. It, on so in yeah, summary, we should do some more research on this <laughs> for sure. In conclusions, <laughs> off the back of all that, yeah. For I wanted to ask for the for you know for the general population individual who's listening, like, oh wow, breath. I've never really thought about it. Mm. Um, you've thrown out some big terms: diaphragm, vagus nerve, etc. Uh, yep. Observing. What would you say is the number one thing they could do? Yep. to start building a connection or mapping this the their breathing patterns? I think the biggest obstacle for many people is starting. So if you can book it into your diary and stick to it no matter what, because breathing is not necessarily going to have a quick result, just like meditation. It takes a lot of time to actually start noticing uh, differences. So I would book it into the diary or whatever you can do to actually make it happen. That's going to be the most important thing. And then you would sit down and observe what's going on. You can take notes if you like. But observing is super important because then you know what you need to work on, right? Because now after this podcast, you will know some things to to work on and think about. So if you know where you're at and you know where you're going then you know what to do in between. Nice. And that could be, for, for someone doing that, it could be five minutes when they get <coughs> out of bed. Yes. It could be five minutes in the afternoon, ten minutes, that sort of thing. I would start with five minutes a day. Yeah. Uh, I would recommend actually sitting down and do it to start with, but eventually you want to integrate it into your life. So currently I do my breathing practice on the bus or when I'm walking. You want all of these sort of things. shouldn't be another thing you need to do and schedule in necessarily. It, it, fit into your lifestyle a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it should be integrated into your life. You should be able to breathe well all the time. Um, but while yeah. you're still learning, you need to put some time I aside. would say so because otherwise it's too much stimulus again. Yeah. yeah. So we just remove as much stimulus as we can, mm. sit in a quiet room for a bit and just focus. And even if it feels shit for the first few weeks, stick to it. Can Super important. Uh, if you say you put meditation aside in a different category for now and if you were just trying to play with the breathing thing, because I'm going to do it because i got some – I'd, I'd like to do it. Um, Paul's got heaps of problems. I Sign do. up to my online <laughs> yeah. breathing like, course. Yeah. <laughs> I can't talk about them because Joe just makes ridicule of it. I have a doctor's appointment. <laughs> um, but say I did it and I wanted to keep it really simple for listeners yes. um, and, you know, that don't have – 
um, experience in meditation, what can I focus on? Do I just five minutes focus on the breathing or what, what, what do you think we can zone in on? During that time, prescribe, prescribe so just for Paul. I mean, I heard I've I've got what you said, and I'm going to think about that general tempo and that little that that like pushing it out and then letting it come in automatically. Yeah, should I just be thinking about the mechanism and try and picture that in my head, or I'm not sure what your question is. Do you mean that you how want do to I add a meditation? Concentrate? How can I concentrate for five minutes? And because my yeah. I'm going to be thinking about yeah. thousands of things like. How many things I need to pick up after Joe and T? Yeah. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking, so how do I... call a wan. Do I, <laughs> if no, you like, want like, I look at my schedule, I'm like, oh, where can, where's the best place to put it where I feel the most relaxed? Because that's the hard bit. Like you said, it's, it's doing it. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, where do I put that? And I open my calendar and I'm like, oh, shit, where's, where am I going to have the best chance of, of doing it right? But, yeah, what can I think about or what should I yeah. think about um, while doing it? What you can do with breathing is, can you um, can you currently breathe through your nose well? I can. Yeah, cool. Because then you can focus on what it feels like to let the air go through the nostrils and like in and out through the nostrils. That mm. might sound a bit strange, but Not at all. you can actually focus on the feeling of breathing in and breathing out. That could be one thing. I'm yep. probably not going to add anything more because okay. it's just going to complicate That's cool. things. Yeah, no, at this I'm, stage. I'm into it. Yeah. yeah, I'm into it. I just thought there might be something that you usually tell people to do in their uh, friggin' newbies like me. So this is like five minutes a day. Yes, Every five day? minutes a day. Yeah, totally. Every day. You need to uh, create a habit because you are breathing all the time. Like you're breathing so many times a day already. Every moment you're breathing. Might so well we need to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We need to practice it. Yeah. But there is a lot of things we can add to this type of breathing exercise mm. as well. There is a lot of nuances and, and um, So what are the benefits? Uh, I mean, like I, I understand the, the process and the, the, the amount of time you've got to put aside, but what do I gain from it? What's breathing can do a lot of things. Breathing can create an interface between you and your thoughts and emotions That's for example handy. it can create that space for you to be like instead of reacting and just um reacting the way that you would normally react that breathing that pause can create other forces to come in and be like okay i'm going to react like this or i'm going to respond rather um like this because if i would to say what I was about to say or that I always say in this type of situation, it never goes down well and it causes more stress in my life, et cetera, et cetera. So that is one way uh, breathing can be used really be well. Very handy for Extremely, a lot of people, yeah. yeah. Most people. I, um, I read this research paper quite recently, obviously since I'm um, writing this breathing article, and uh, it was about decision-making and how deep breathing improved um, decision-making. So it's that and that leads to behaviours and, and patterns of behaviours that you, you adopt over time as well. And it can create a lot of stress and, and down the track lead to uh, more sort of chronic um, stress-related illnesses and stuff like mm. that. So I think breathing is a simple thing. Um, it's low-hanging fruit. Totally. It's, it's free. Like, 
you, you have it within you. You can do it whenever, as long as you learn how to do it properly because there is plenty of poor ways we can breathe. If you learn it properly, it's a tool for life. Then you don't have to go down the drugs path. Exactly. Or the psychologist path, potentially. Well, you could, see a lot of people... Preventer. A lot of people search for that downregulation on Friday and Saturday nights when they go and get mm. wasted, right? Mm. So they're stressed all week, sleeping like shit, eating like shit, yeah. and, then, and working really hard, and then they go and get fucked up. And in a way, it's a release, but in terms of our physiology, it actually just puts you deeper into the hole. You know, your you hangover and stuff, it, it doesn't help. No. Whereas what you're talking about, and I think you can, you can almost say, like, if you can... If you can down-regulate more consciously, more frequently, and allow your body to experience being in that sort of nervous state, then you will actually live a healthier life. Yeah. And you will be less less prone to terminal illness and, you know, stress-related diseases and all those sorts of things. Yeah, you just um, take a bit better control over your life and you, you are more awake in general rather than just going on your day, doing what you always do and just being stuck in the the normal habits and behaviours that you have. Yeah. I like it. Funny, we're going to wrap it up there. Cool. We appreciate you coming on and uh, throwing down some knowledge today. And we actually covered a couple of real big topics in terms of mobility and breathing. So we could do another one on either of those or both of those again. It'd be cool to have you on. You're you're going away uh, early next year? Yeah, so Luke and I are going to hit the road um, in February. Cool. And uh, we'll be traveling until July and then we are coming back and then who knows what happens. You got some online stuff happening and... Yeah, so I'm working on the uh, online breathing course at the moment. um, So keep an eye out for that. And um, yeah, there will be online clients and that sort of thing that I'll be doing in, in during that time. Both Luke and I have a few spots available. So there will be... That sort of thing. Where can people find you? Where can they connect with your coaching services? Yeah, so I have a website. So it's mobilitytraining.com.au and Facebook and Instagram is both uh, mobilitytrainingau. Very cool. And YouTube nice. actually, same. Mobilitytrainingau? Mm. Solid. Yeah. How many videos have you got on your YouTube channel? Oof, I don't know. Tens, hundreds? Uh, uh, probably a hundred. Respect. That's pretty good. I would say by now. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks, boys. Thanks to, uh, thanks to Panavore for providing us with the coffee that we were drinking today. Thank you, Tree. The, the deliciousness. Thanks, Tree. Thanks, Tree. Um, if you want any help from us, you can find us at junglebrothers.com. We're at 15 Underwood Avenue in Botany. We are the pride of the South. We are Botany strong. Uh, <laughs> all of those things. Uh, yeah, if you want any help, find us on Instagram. Reach out. Training breathing whatever we've got amazing staff here and amazing classes and everything's going on um and just a little update on things in the coming weeks we're going to start building our mezzanine and we're going to be running a full-time brazilian jiu-jitsu program uh headed up by myself joe and dave brooksbank our head coach who's a uh, a long-time black belt so that's going to be super exciting can we've, we get graded we can get graded can i get my blue belt well you need to start training to get graded but i mean y- you can <laughs> Right, you, you That's can. why we're building a full time. Yes, I teach him get his blue belt. <laughs> I, then when he gets, I'm going to really display it up like with world title belts yeah, at the top. Yeah, yeah. just like the blue, <laughs> belt. blue belt. That's his blue yeah, belt yeah. up there. When you walk in the gym, I'll you let just everyone feel know instantly motivated. New members. I'm a blue belt. <laughs> That's my you blue belt. You have to stop breathing yeah. first. 
Yeah, well, we're going to do some work together before you go. Mm. We've talked about this already. Yeah. We did this small group. These guys distracted me. I'm coming to you one-on-one. <laughs> one-on-one. One on one. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, wow. take the handbrake off now, boys. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll be out, guys. Here we we're doing come. it for reals now. Yeah. Yeah. Snails pace <laughs> coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend who might also enjoy it. Hey, we've got, ge- we got geese. We've got geese. You're competing soon. I'm competing in, in the next month. Out of retirement. Out of retirement. Ooh. First first comp at Brown Belt. Nice. Yeah. Great. And yeah. you got a stripe. I got a stripe. Yeah, this week I got my third stripe. Nice. That's so awesome. I got one more stripe and then the next step would be a black belt. Then we'll have two black belts in our gym then. We'll have two black belts. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Hey, maybe one day you could be a well, black belt. I'll be son. a blue belt one day. <laughs> a blue belt. <laughs> as soon as you get your black belt and give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two would just be headhunting. <laughs> if I bash you can I have a black belt <laughs> thanks guys we'll catch you next week thanks funny I really enjoyed thanks, that funny. thank you cheers